Hi, this is John. And before we get started, yes, I'm a little bit under the weather as I record this, but I wanted to share some very exciting news with you. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want has been named the official podcast of FetishCon 2023. What does that mean? It means we're going to have a set of special shows leading up to FetishCon in August in St. Petersburg, Florida. We're calling it FetishCon Fridays with some of the top fetish models and fetish personalities in the world. That's coming up in 2023, and we couldn't be more excited. I hope I feel a little bit better. You'll hear my normal voice in just a moment. Okay, Nookie, take it away. The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. personalities as their authentic selves, this is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as educators, sex-positive personalities, and other amazing people sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is our own wonderful human with the questions, John or as he is known around the kink and fetish community. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and to our listeners, welcome to the show. At this past Fetish Awards at FetishCon 2022, one model dominated the competition. No, I'm not talking in that way, although that would be fun if she did. One woman won all of these awards. Favorite fetish producer, Favorite fetish short film or clip? Favorite fetish superheroine short film or clip? Favorite fetish superheroine producer? Favorite fetish superheroine performer? Favorite female fetish performer? And a special recognition for her contributions to the fetish industry. And today, she takes another honor as our guest for this week's show. Not as prestigious, I know, but super special for us. Ludella Hahn is an award-winning fetish actress and filmmaker known for her fiery red hair, hourglass figure, and her palpable passion in the work she creates. Wearing all the hats as a one-woman show, she takes immense pride in creating her productions all on her own from start to finish from script writing to set building, costuming, directing, filming, and editing. 
With her love for vintage, her curves, and her feminine allure, Ludella has been called the Betty Page and Marilyn Monroe of modern day, with a bit of Lucille Ball thrown in. And like Monroe and Ball, it's always important to Ludella to prove that women are capable of so much more than being a pretty face. With 13 Fetish Award wins under her garter belt, nestled in with a myriad of nominations from the AVN Awards, XBiz Awards, Alt Porn Awards, and the Why Not Cam Awards, she is renowned for her cartoony yet cinematic style in a multitude of niche fetishes. And she has fans all over the world who love her larger-than-life stories, sets, and characters. Ludella Hahn on what women and other wonderful humans want. They are the questions that establish the story. Five questions about firsts, bringing back the genesis of the character behind the human. It's the first five, and it starts now. First time you ever heard the word fetish and what it meant to you. Oh, that I, I don't know if I could think of the first time, but I do know in either me researching like the specific term, you know, and trying to understand like what exactly is a fetish because people use it, you know, a lot of times just for things that they like that aren't actually like sexually derived, you know, <laughs> so they'll just be like, oh, I have a fetish for coffee or something like that. But, <laughs> but obviously they, they don't in, in the, that term more official sense of the word <laughs> yeah but um so I remember trying to understand like my own um I don't know what I need sexually and trying to figure out like is this a fetish or you know like like what what is this exactly um that I found out like what it meant and I was probably um you know this is like pre pre internet I mean internet was around but not the way it is now <laughs> so it wasn't like I wasn't googling <laughs> what this kind of stuff was um but I would probably be in late teens or early 20s I think like when I like really started to look into it and delve into it more I can't remember the actual first time I heard the word though first person who inspired you to be the type of performer that you are it depends on what kind of I guess like if you're talking about how I got involved in any of this, it, I started actually before I was doing fetish modeling more seriously. Um, I was just focusing more on like pinup modeling. Uh, that's kind of how I got my start was in like the pinup culture. And there was um, a model that I discovered online, you know, in those early days of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um her I don't even know if she still models anymore but um she was like a Marilyn Monroe impersonator and her name was Jamie Dudley and she was like very curvy and before that I always thought like you know because of my figure I couldn't be a model and so seeing her and seeing like these beautiful po like photographs of her I I realized like oh I can actually do this um and so that was kind of like she gave me the inspiration to pursue being a model and then, and as far as like the fetish industry goes, that kind of became a career more as a, it started with me just needing, you know, like, like I just looking for odd jobs, basically, like on Craigslist. 
them. And that was like how I kind of first dipped my toes into the fetish world was like doing these like little odd job type things for um, small time producers that I found on Craigslist or Model Mayhem. Uh, and then, you know, from there, I kind of, you know, got exposure to more people. Um, I used to do a lot of touring with, do you know, um, Nixon? Yes, I do. So she and I became, um, friends and we would do these like tours, like, uh, together to different areas, like in the Midwest, um, or when she kind of came up to Boston, we would do, um, you know, trips from around there and we'd work together a lot. So she kind of introduced me to a lot more people because she had been in the industry for a little longer than I had. And so that's kind of opened my exposure even more. And um, I actually had gone to FetishCon for the first time. I'm, I'm just going off on a tangent that doesn't have to do with all that. <laughs> <laughs> it's more about how I became involved in the, the fetish industry. But um, as far as my style, I'll go back to the point as far as my style of how I perform. Uh, I'd say... Like I said, you know, how I got into it was because of that one model inspiring me that I could with how I looked. But my own style, I think, is just inspired by myself in a way. Like, I've never really, like, tried to replicate anyone because to me, ever since I was little, I've always wanted to be, like, kind of separate from other people and just be myself and not follow the crowd. So I don't really look at other people's styles that often just because I want to not stray from what I have created for myself. Um, but I will say, um, like Anastasia Pierce inspired me a lot with, with, um, editing and just being like a female that did it all. I, you know, that was like, oh, I can do that too. I can do all my own editing. I can do all this. And it was just like an inspiration in that respect. Um, but yeah, for style and in like how I perform that, that wasn't necessarily inspired by any particular person, but there have been a lot of inspirations for like seeing someone set an example and realizing like oh I can do that too if they can you know <laughs> like it's just I think and I think that's important for people to see you know that like if someone else can do it it inspires you that like oh well you know I wouldn't have thought I could but they're doing it so I can try too <laughs> do you remember your first fetish video that you put on sale and what it was <laughs> um so going back to that culture sale or not culture sale but the craigslist tangent. <laughs> uh, uh, one that's of the, old school right there <laughs> one of the the people i first worked with you know back when i was just trying to like make a little money while i was in college um did foot fetish for clips for sale and so he was telling me like oh you can set up your own site and you can just like come here to the studio and like you know, like make these videos and he like showed me how to do it. I didn't realize it was like an actual thing you could do and make a living off of. So I wasn't taking it very seriously. But whenever I worked with him, he would also like, let, you know, help me shoot content for my own um, store. So it'd probably be something foot fetish related because that's what I was doing at the time um, with him when I started the site. But I cannot remember the exact like what the video would be. <laughs> First time you ever got a request for a custom fetish and went, okay, what is this? <laughs> um, there have been a lot of really interesting ones, but back before I was even, you know, publicly accepting customs and I just had that like little, like, you know, whatever <laughs> abandoned kind of clips for sale page with like the little, the foot fetish videos that I'd filmed you know, a long time ago, someone had found me 
through that and reached out to me and contacted me to do um a hot butt I like custom where basically I had to somehow like my butt would get really hot and I'd have to like cool it off so it's just like a lot of like getting my butt really hot and then dipping it in cold water just back and forth over and over so that was like the first custom I had to shoot um was that and um and then once I started you know actually focusing on my own closer still store obviously and accepting more customs and I got like a lot of different things but that one just stands out to me because it was you know I wasn't marketing that I was doing any customs this is just a person that reached out and I was like all right I guess I could do that <laughs> what was the first image of you that you saw that made you realize I'm exactly where I want to be Oh, that's another tough one. <laughs> I feel really, when I look back at like all the things that I've, that I've done, sometimes it's, I'm just can't believe it. it feels like a lifetime, you know, like it hasn't even been, I mean, it has been a while, but there's just been so many things I've like been able to, to create over the years that I just feel extremely grateful for. And so it's hard to just think of like a single image that stands out that much I think of like a lot of like the earlier images um I don't know to me it's just the being able to express like emotion through through image that like you know that's what stands out to me I guess is like a lot of the photo shoots that I got to do where it was just very like I don't know how to describe it necessarily um I know primal I guess <laughs> that's a good word but just very like allowing me to just like you know emote and be who I am instead of like you know being dressed up and just like posing like a, a mannequin not that there's anything against that because I do a lot of mannequin fetish <laughs> but you know like just like being able to to express emotion through like facial expressions and poses um I did dance growing up and so for me that's how modeling became like a, a form of dance and so I guess like yeah. I'm sorry. I'm so awkward with interviews. <laughs> but I think it's beautiful because you are so humble as well. And that's one of the things that I absolutely love, especially when you have won as many awards as you have. And we're going to talk about those when we come back, as well as a connection with Doctor Who that I didn't know about <laughs> when we come back. We do this show without paid advertisers and provide it to you as a labor of love. If you want to help the show, as well as contribute to Catsuit's conference fund to get live interviews and teach some amazing classes, you can give at bit.ly slash thanks, Catsuit. Now let's hear from some of Catsuit's friends with some messages for you. Welcome to the Yoniverse. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Anya. The Flaming Yoni podcast is a celebration of the beautiful and unique expressions of female sexuality. From asexual to megasexual, from lifelong monogamy to relationship anarchy, from deep spiritual bonds of sacred union to spur the moment flames. It is all infused with Yoni energy. Search for the Flaming Yoni on your favorite podcast platform. You will not leave the same as when you came. Have you ever dreamed of a house that is kink-friendly in every room? 
Have you ever wanted a getaway where your every desire is contained within steps? In Cincinnati, Ohio, the Wanton Sinners B&B is now open. Two kink-equipped bedrooms, a fully equipped basement dungeon, and a living room with cages and restraint points throughout. And you can leave your toy bag at home because every space comes with plenty of toys and restraints. Visit Wanton Sinners on FET and follow the links to the Airbnb and Verbo listings. The Wanton Sinners B&B in Cincinnati, where your dreams have a home. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. Recently, we put together a brand new book called Hearts and Collars, reflecting 20 years in a power exchange relationship. It's 350 pages of what we've been living for the past 20 years. Indeed, and it's got chapters like communication, power exchange and spirituality, how to be a leader, high protocol, becoming a follower, rituals, the new porch time, victim, survivor, and thriver, power exchange and polyamory, submissive versus wife, the practical contract guide, relationship short shorthand, as well as other tools and experiences we've had over the years. Check it out at eroticawakening.com slash hearts and collars. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. You all know I love my cat suits, and the ones that have never let me down come from the amazing winter fetish. I've had some of them for 10 years, and they're still going strong. Specifically made for fetish play, these suits come in only the best spandex or PVC with zippers made for action. You've seen them in the House of Lord and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And now these suits can be yours. And if you use the code www.spandexcat, you get 10% off your purchase and you support the show as well. And as always, I give you this promo because I believe in what Winter Fetish does. So visit winterfetish.com and use the promo code www.spandexcat and get the cat suit of your dreams from Winter Fetish. We invite you to connect with us on social media so you can follow all the great news about the show. You can find us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and on FetLife at WWWPodcast. And if you want to follow the host, that's easy as on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife, he is Hi There Catsuit. And now back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Welcome back to the program, joined by multi-award winning fetish model and character actress and cosplayer and so many different things, Lou Delahan. I am fascinated by your versatility when it comes to the characters that you play. But I'm going to start with the very first one I ever saw. And I have to tell you that this particular scene that you shot has haunted me for many, many years, especially being the catsuit person I am. And I think you may know the one I'm talking about. It's when you put on this really amazing black catsuit and then you discovered you couldn't escape from it, which is basically the fetish of every single 
human that ever is donned a cat suit. I will tell you that. What gave you the idea for that particular one? So that one was actually a custom commission. Um, and it wasn't mine. I, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that one actually got nominated for a fetish award, but I don't think that one won. It was one of the years that I couldn't attend because I was, I think I was pregnant at the time, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that one was was fun. Yeah, he, the customer who commissioned it, like, you know, he had a really, like, great script and, like, all these, you know, I was, I love that's the thing. I haven't done customs in a while just because of the the time constraints and the stress involved, but I do miss like how creative a lot of these people are. And um, when they write like the really detailed scripts, you know, it helps to inspire me too. And I like love bringing it to life. Um, so like when he was telling me about, you know, the ideas of like the threads coming together and stuff. I was like, how can I make this? Like, how can I do this visually? Obviously I'm like limited. I don't have a Hollywood budget for my special effects. So I like to mix a lot of like little practical effects in. So yeah, that was one of my favorite shots, I think. And it was just like the implication of the threads like tightening. Um, I'm wondering what the image was that haunts you exactly from that video. Being trapped in a cat suit, not being able to talk and having the cat suit take over my entire being the more of the general i there yes. wasn't a particular shot no i i, I think it might have been the one where you could see through your hood because it was a, a sheer cat suit which yeah. is one of the things that i thought was really cool because i hadn't seen a cat suit quite like that and the fact that you had this amazing i don't know if it was an effect or what it was of the threads forming a gag under your hood where the cat suit had gagged you. And I was like, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, that was probably a practical effect. I don't think I, I'm trying to remember. I don't think I did special effects for that one. I think I mostly did practical effects. Um, Cause I wasn't quite, you know, <laughs> I'm not confident in my abilities to like make threads look like they're appearing. So it's a lot. I actually really love doing practical effects more. I love doing special effects, but I really probably prefer practical effects because it kind of brings you back to more of like the uh, retro style of filming, how they used to have to do things. So explain to me what practical effects, because I've been in the television business for a long time, but it's mostly journalistic stuff. But tell me about practical effects. What are those? Um, so practical effects would be ways of like implying that something's happening, but you're using like actual in-time um, tools. So like for that one, I had like, you know, th threads that I like, a lot of times it's, you do a lot of like reverse footage. So like, you know, you have the threads and you're pulling them across, but then you reverse it in post to make it look like they're coming together but you have to like move at the same time. Like a lot of videos when I do like, you know, giant tests or um, any kind of like growth video, the, you know, you, it's the way that you move towards the camera, away from the camera, those kinds of things like to imply, to help you basically sell what you're trying to, to tell in the story. Um, versus like, if I were to do the same thing with um, like special effects, you know, I'd have to like make it happen in post and versus like being able to do it in real time so mm -hmm. i actually really prefer to do some there's certain things i'll always do with special effects but then there's like a lot if i can get away with it i'd rather do it with um practical effects i really love doing 
like the growth videos with practical effects like and just like implying like that I'm you know growing just by the way I angle myself and like you know tear the clothes and, <laughs> and stuff <laughs> like that that's uh very super time consuming but uh, I really like the the end result when it comes to those I know you were an amazing student when it comes to performing and such but where did you learn how to do because as I said, I was a television producer for 35 years and I'm not thinking of the way you're thinking. How did you learn to do all that? I don't even, the practical effects, I don't even know. It was just more of like, I guess, just creative thinking of like, you know, wanting to, to be like, well, how can I make this look this way? Um, sometimes it was actually, I mean, before I started focusing on my own store, um, I you know, I was traveling and shooting for a lot of other producers. Sometimes it was like learning, like seeing how they did it and then being like, oh, okay. So I kind of gave you the, the initial like seed of an idea. And then you kind of put your own like, you know, spin on it or, you know, like I think um, like what helped inspire me for the Giantess stuff was like <laughs> from a, a Giantess producer that I worked with who was doing, you know, he kind of inspired me about the whole like the growth um, aspect of like the, the clothes tearing but he would do it by like having you know a person another person doing the tearing you know so they'd be like hiding behind you and tearing the clothes I'm filming mostly by myself so I just thought like well how can I do this and sell this you know the same idea the same visual um, myself so I kind of like did the whole you know like I that's why I have to do a lot of extreme close-ups because it's my like own hands like pulling on things so like so I have to hide it <laughs> Um, but it, you know, that's like what you're doing. A lot of times, like if you look at like Hollywood movies, you know, it's just like all these like quick little shots. And that's actually, I, I guess if I'm being very honest, that that would be my biggest inspiration is, is from like actual just mainstream movies. Like I love movies. Uh, so, so that's like a big inspiration. Obviously the stuff that I'm doing is like, you know, it's like, what do you want to D movies? <laughs> like, I don't know what you want to call them. <laughs> like not, you know, it's very cheesy that might, you know, <laughs> compared to like a Hollywood budget. But for what I'm doing, you know, like I like kind of like that. I like the like the scrappy kind of <laughs> feeling of it, I guess. The beautiful part of what you do is your creativity comes out in everything. I haven't seen a producer that is put out to me that I know of so many different looks. Some fetish models love their one or two characters or their one or two things that they love to do. Every time I see an Instagram post or uh, any kind of social media post, you're doing something totally different whether it's balloons growing out of your chest or uh, giant videos or the cat suit one or a superheroine one, there's this huge library of things that doesn't keep repeating. It keeps on growing. Yeah. Um, variety is, I, I've always loved variety and I love I guess playing different characters is why I do the cosplay work because I, I just love <laughs> getting the opportunity to kind of like explore these different aspects of, of yourself and in, in the like the security or the safety blanket of like being behind like a mask, I guess, you know? Um, and I, I do, I've just always like 
I guess part of it maybe comes from like getting bored easily. So I really like to just kind of spice it up with a different, you know, assortment of things like in all aspects of my life, really like, you know, I, I'll get bored of something eventually and then like want to try something different. You said in your biography that of all the things you've done, your greatest and proudest accomplishment is being a mom. Oh, yeah. It's it's the hardest job in the world, but it's also just there's it's just it's a and you can't describe the amount of like of love that you experience and just like I don't know. It's like <laughs> they become your world, I guess. Um that is something you yeah, you like I remember my mom saying things like that and you just really cannot understand it until you're in in that space. Um but yeah, it's also very difficult and very, <laughs> very scary sometimes. I've had a lot of uh, health scares the past couple months, so that hasn't been, <laughs> been great. But um, but yeah, I I love that guy, and he's he's been actually to be honest that that he's been my uh, inspiration for a lot of things. Like the whole reason I wanted to to do as well as I did to succeed was to be able to uh, build a life so that I could, you know, know that I was secure um, enough to have a child. Is it two different parts of you or does the creativity in what you do in your work go into being a mom and just having fun with your, your young one? Oh, it's different sides, different sides of me as a person. Like it took actually after having him, it took a long time to find myself back like you kind of just it's like mom is like your only identity for a while and like I feel like I've only somewhat recently been able to get like my former self like back but you know so it's like easier to separate now I guess but like when I'm in mom mode I'm definitely all the way in mom mode which is important to me I wanted to like you know I love the flexibility of my career so that I can be completely present with him um and yes, there's a lot of play. There's a lot of imagination that has always been important to me. I played a lot of make-believe as a child. And that was really important for me to like help to cultivate that in him as well. Because it's something that you, I feel like if you don't keep working at that, like you can lose it. And I've seen a lot of people <laughs> like lose their creativity. And, you know, I don't want that to happen to him, especially in like the technology of today, you know, like <laughs> that didn't exist when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and the land of make-believe is where your fetish land is so beautiful <laughs> the fact that you are able to come up with some of these wild things you say you don't do customs so this is coming out of the head of ludella Hahn right here all yeah. the wild and crazy things what was the first time that you went I wonder how I'm going to pull this one off. Oh, the first time? <laughs> or, um, or or the best <laughs> time, I think I should say. We've done enough first tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, a, I mean, for for my own ideas, obviously I can, the, <laughs> the, the really big benefit of it being my own idea is that if I have to, in the moment, like rearrange something or scrap something or you know just kind of like come up with a different way to do it you can just easily do that there's a lot more pressure when you're doing a commission you could be has you know they wanted a very particular way um 
So sometimes I like that challenge of trying to figure out how can I do this? Uh, and then I'm often very like proud of those times when I do pull it off. I'm trying to think of like one that was, um, I mean, there's been quite a few where I've like accepted them not knowing exactly how I was going to pull it off. And then like, you know, just like working way longer than I should have <laughs> to try to figure it out, <laughs> you know, based on the pay. But, but like that, that's like part of it for me is like just that, like that challenge of, of like trying to make it happen. And it's funny, like, so the one that comes to mind, I guess, is um, there's this one that I got that was called Filled with Slime where it was kind of like almost like a flubbery sort of situation where I was supposed to be like a scientist and the, this like slime that I'm working with comes to life and it like slides, you know, slides up my legs and it's supposed to like, you know, imply that it like goes into my, my butt basically, uh, <laughs> which like, I don't shoot like, ex you know, explicit material, but you know, I, I like the comedy aspect of it. You know, I use like, um, <laughs> like a scene from Zoolander is my like inspiration for doing like the you know that spatial expression <laughs> to imply what was happening but you know I hadn't done anything like that before so I had to like animate this like little ball of slime and like <laughs> like climb up and go in and then you know inflate me um it was like a double expansion so like my my boobs and my butt both inflated from the slime and then the slime was just start leaking out of my nipples so this was like something you know I've never done any of that before but I loved the idea. I, like just reading this script, I was like, oh, there's so much comedy in this. And I love doing like comedic roles. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just, I'm going to accept this and I'm going to try to figure it out. <laughs> like, and I just actually just started, I think I, I don't know. I think I was um, making like a little reel. So I was going through some of my older clips, I think. And I like clicked that one open and I just watched a little part of it. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like cheesier than I remember. But I remember being so proud of it at the time. <laughs> But like, like I said, when I say I make like D level movies, like it was like that where I was just like, oh yeah, this is super cheesy, but, but it was like, you know, still something, you know, that I figured out and the customer was extremely happy with it. I've had so many requests, um, to actually make a sequel for that one. Uh, and I think it was like one of my, maybe my top selling video for a really long time. Um, I don't know if it still is because they only let you go back so far in the the records but yeah that one was it's usually and those ones I think like the ones that end up taking me a really long time are the ones that end up being the most proud of where you have to like do a lot of figuring out of how you're gonna to do things um so yeah that one I guess is the first one that came to mind for <laughs> that question people buy fetish videos for different reasons I think I would surmise what most people buy fetish videos for is comedy sexy that that is actually something that i is interesting but yeah i do a lot of um butt prank videos i guess not a lot because they i i do like a couple maybe three a year they're those are probably the most time consuming of any of them because it's very slap it's all you know slapstick style a lot of stuff and when you're doing it all yourself you're like you know, have to keep changing all the you know it's very time consuming and, and very it's actually the most physically exhausting of all the videos because it's all this physical comedy which you don't realize like how much it takes out of you um but there is a big you know there's a big audience for that and and for me you know like that's not my personal fetish so like I don't 
I don't see the the sexiness um in it for like you know for myself like it doesn't it doesn't make me get turned on but I love doing it and I think like that's still an important thing for like the the people who are who are buying it they <clears throat> they like to see that you're enjoying it you know it really helps to to enhance the the experience for them and so I I just really like doing the acting and you know how can I make this come to life and there are obviously parts of it that you know, I can see like the, the, the sexual nature of it, you know, like a lot of like butt rubbing and, <laughs> and um like jiggling, jumping around. So there's like little parts like that. Yeah. I can see like the, you know, how it, that can be like sexy, but like overall, it's not my personal fetish, but I do enjoy doing it a lot. Um, I just, it's, I would do it more if it weren't so <laughs> such a workout. It's really hard. <laughs> I'm going to come back to your personal fetishes, but I have to ask you this one last comedy thing. I spent last night watching old Carol Burnett reruns. You, even though you were young in age, go back to the classic Lucille Ball. Yeah. When did you discover Lucy? And when did you discover just how awesome she was? Oh, when I was a toddler, I my Nana actually took care of me for the first few years of my life. So a lot of the stuff that I watched or was exposed to were like the classic um, shows like I Love Lucy and Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie. Um, I, I remember seeing those on TV. And, and I think, I don't know if that's like, between that and just like my Nana being from like of that age and um having like that kind of like the kitschy sort of like antique stuff around the house. But like, I've always like had an affinity for that. Um, uh, I, yeah, and Lucy's great. I, you know, as an adult also, there was like a period of time where every morning I would watch an episode of I Love Lucy while drinking coffee and they used to play it on TV. I would watch it, you know, at home <laughs> doing uh, that. But I think I haven't seen it on in a while, but yeah, she's, she's a big inspiration. And just in addition to just being a great comedy actor, she was just very intelligent, which I admire. And she, you know, she took a lot of chances and uh, <laughs> broke a lot of, uh, you know, molds, I think too. When did you realize you had to be a businesswoman as well as somebody who can pull off all these amazing fantasies um when <laughs> when I decided I wanted to not travel anymore and just wanted to be able to work from home that was kind of when I decided you know like um, Nixon again has also inspired me to do that where she was telling me about another model that she's friends with who was like oh telling her like oh yes as long as you post every day you can make x amount of money on clips for sale and at the time I was just over lugging my 50 pound suitcase around cities <laughs> to go to shoots and I wanted to be able to stay home and so I you know had to try to make it happen and so I you know I couldn't get myself to commit to doing an update every day but I told myself like okay I'll do two two a week and see how that goes and so like I just spent a year kind of like building that business up while still touring for the rest of that year and you know you kind of have to well you're I, I guess I don't know I guess just like being in it you kind of had to figure it out you know so so I think to to do closer sale you kind of have to 
to be or any of those like streaming sites you have to be kind of a business person because you can't just shoot the content and then just like not do anything with it. you have to figure out how to how to make it work luckily those sites do the marketing for you because that's the part that i'm terrible at mm. i'm not i'm not good at marketing uh I don't know. I, th I have a tendency like that perfectionism comes in and I get like, I guess, uh, posting paralysis where I'll like not post something because I can't think of like a, the perfect caption for it, basically. Mm -hmm. So then I just get to the point where I just like, just don't post anything, <laughs> which I know is terrible for when you're, you know, having to post and market yourself for your living. But that's why I like streaming platforms because it kind of does the marketing <laughs> For you you just have to like create the content and like you know I mean I am in a way doing marketing because I am making the the teasers and the gifts but luckily they're the ones that are like kind of distributing it on their like update pages and stuff I don't have to like go out and post it to the world necessarily <laughs> so so you know you have to still I guess figure out <laughs> bad part of the business in a way but um it's a lot of uh, trial and error, I'd say, um, figuring it out. I wouldn't think of myself as necessarily being a business person, but I've always been um, a, a problem solver, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a good thing in this business, that's for sure. <laughs> So you talked about your personal fetishes. You obviously come up with so many of these amazing fantasy type things. But what does Ludella Hahn love? So I usually keep like my own fetish fetish private. Uh, but there are a lot of aspects um, of my fetish within some of the things that I film. So there's like a lot within, you know, like there's like certain categories that I like repeat film because I enjoy them and they do well enough to allow me to keep making them. Um, <clears throat> and then a lot of them are things that I also like find like arousing in some kind of way. There'll be like aspects of it that appeal to me um, and kind of like are around my fetish. And I've also discovered additional, like I wouldn't, you know, like, I guess if you're going by, like, the actual definition of fetish, it's, like, something that you need, you know, to, to get off. So, like, a lot of these things, like, I w can't call them fetishes because I don't need that particular fetish that I'm filming to get off. But I still find it arousing. Um, and I found, like, additional fetishes that I, like, would not have thought, you know, like, it's, not, you know, until you experience it, until you film it and you, you, you know, if you don't have that exposure, you, like, have no idea if it's going to be a turn on or not. And, and so I've discovered <laughs> um fetishes that I that I like wouldn't have thought would be a turn-on to be a, a turn-on when I'm filming them um which is always an interesting surprise and then I'll like incorporate that into my own personal life so um yeah it's a lot of play and experimentation and uh I I can't I it's just one of those things where like I try to it's the same reason why I don't shoot explicit content like I try to keep like there's like a part of myself like to myself still you know um, so that's why I don't really share my own very personal fetish. And mystery, yes. <laughs> but the fact that you don't shoot explicit stuff makes you someone that is indeed special within the industry. 
because you are enabling people to get their imagination going through their imagination, not just hitting on the nose all the time. Is that super challenging or is it just more fun? <laughs> I don't know if it's more challenging. I'm, it's, I'm, you know, I'm curious to know, you know, like if from, from the, you know, the viewer's perspective, I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess I would say like, maybe my, my success kind of like speaks to that, that that's not necessary, you know, that that part doesn't need to be there. A lot of people like to do it and that, you know, if they want to do it, that's fine. But, you know, they don't have to have that part there. People are still finding enjoyment, but there, you know, there's obviously some customers who probably don't buy my stuff and want, you know, want to see that part and they won't buy my stuff because it doesn't have that part. That's possible, very possible. <laughs> so mm. it depends on the person, um, whether that needs to be there or not, but you know, I, myself, I like to have that ability to imagine, you know, I like to like be able to like to create in my head, um, you know, like I really prefer to to read books and like come up with like how the characters are going to be in my head, you know, like and to imagine how things are going versus just being shown the thing all the time. You know, that's why I think sometimes books are more appealing than movies and in some ways um, because of that ability to imagine. So maybe that does have some power to it. Um, but I don't know if it necessarily is more challenging. I just try to think of it as, you know, I'm making these fun movies for a living. <laughs> I mean, they are challenging, but not, you know, in that, in that sense, like it's challenging. It's not like it's like easy, easy work, but it's, um, I'm not finding the, that I need to like over sell or over, um, do these other parts because I'm not doing the the sexual aspect of it, I guess. You're doing a lot of these videos by yourself. Does it take a certain mindset to say, okay, I've got to get down to business now and I've got to get this done, not because it feels like a job because it is, but because you have such pride in wanting to do it right. Yeah, I think it's so important to love what you're doing, you know, like, I think that that comes across so, so much for people. And I think if you're filming, like, you know, um, categories that you just aren't interested in, I think it shows and, and you know, the viewers can feel that. And so I, I get, you know, the stuff that I shoot, like when I come up with like my own like oddball ideas, <laughs> like a lot of times <laughs> it'll just be like a pun or a play on words of a title and that's like the thread that I'm like oh great there it is like <laughs> and I'll just go from there I like to get really excited about these ideas there's some ideas where I've like I have a notebook of ideas and I like will write down when I come up with some like funny you know like wordplay title and then or um something like that I'll just have this whole list and there's some ideas where I'm like I cannot wait to shoot them but you know I just don't have the ability to do it right now because I don't have that setup or I don't have, you know, this, I like, I try to do a lot of batch shooting. I've had to be really creative ever since like becoming a mom and like having such limited time. Um, so I do a lot of batch shooting where I'll build a set. And that's another thing that I've like gotten into that I really love doing is like making these like cheesy little sets with, with like the backgrounds and the props and stuff, you know, <laughs> like I really like that. Um, 
because that takes like a lot of work, you know, when I set it up, I like want to shoot a bunch of stuff on that set. So I have to really plan it out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I just think like that excitement though is like part of, you know, it helps a lot, I guess, to get, to get me going. Um, a lot of times I might not be feeling it. And then I step down into my studio area, which you're seeing right now. It's just my mm -hmm. base. It's pretty crowded. And I'll like build a little set here and there. And then the rest of the basement just looks like a mess. But, mm -hmm. uh, but like just coming down here, you know, because this is like a, a space where I create, sometimes I'll just like, if I haven't done filming in a while and I come down here, I just get like this like excitement kind of feeling where like, I'm like, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's play. That was my favorite part of playing as a child was just like setting up like making the little scenarios and like <laughs> like it wasn't even sometimes like acting out like you know if I played Barbies or with like action figures or something it wasn't that like the acting of it like I loved to build the little sets and like where they lived and like create these like <laughs> these like storylines and lives and stuff like that um and now I get to do that like as an adult I guess <laughs> you know <laughs> I'd say that's the greatest job in the world. <laughs> yeah. But there is another part of it that I kind of want to point out, which isn't necessarily about the excitement, but it's something that I think about a lot because um, I don't know if everyone does this, but I did a lot of um, of acting and I'm sure, I'm sure other performers must do this. You have to be in like a certain headspace, you know? So if I'm filming something or shooting something and I have to play a certain character, like I'll like sometimes get like super nervous or like, have to like amp myself up I'll spend like a while like while I'm like doing my makeup just like getting into that character headspace and that's the thing I think like a lot of like I'm only bringing this up because I feel like a lot of viewers don't realize that back end of it you know that there's like a lot of time that goes into it outside of just that like 10 to 15 minute video that you're seeing like between like all the setup and the prep work and getting like the costume and and everything and then you're also spending this time like you know, putting on makeup and getting in this like headspace of this character that you're about to portray. Um, because you can't just like, I mean, sometimes there's certain characters I can just turn on like that. Like it's just very natural, but then there's like other times where I have to like very much psych myself up and like get myself into a certain headspace to do something. Um, because I want to be as like authentic as possible mm -hmm. <laughs> for, for that character. Um, and then there's all the time spent after the fact of like editing, you know, so there's like a, so much time that goes into it. And um, uh, I, I always like want the viewer to understand that so that they like maybe like appreciate the work that the performer's doing, you know, more than just like, you know, you know, all the people who stream for free and stuff like that when they should really be <laughs> paying for their, for mm -hmm. their, um, amusement or you know pornography um i think people don't understand that and i'll just use the the news or journalism or sports statistic that for every minute of finished video in journalism or something like that it takes an hour to edit usually for every finished minute when you're talking entertainment you multiply that by three or four yeah. So if you're making a 20 minute video that has effects in it, it's not sitting down going, hey, 20 minutes, doom, I'm done. Bye. See ya. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And if you're it, I talk about this same thing when it comes to professional dominatrices. 
the amount of time to set up, the amount of time to prepare, the amount of time to clean up afterwards. (laughs) That is a lot of time. It's not just the time where it's like, hello, how are you? Let's do this. Okay. This, but, and thank you for being here. Goodbye. Yeah. It's not that time. That's the easy part. The hard part is everything that goes into it. And I'm guessing if you're anything like me, Ladella, your mind never shuts off to the creativity. Yeah. Yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> that's why I have to keep notebooks. Because otherwise, like, I I used to be able to keep a lot of stuff up here. That's why I did so well in school when I was younger. I was just, like, very good at just, like, storing stuff up. And as an adult, I'm like, I, I'll, like, be like, oh, no, I'll remember that. And if I don't write it down, I will not remember this. <laughs> so I have to write things down all the time. <laughs> um. But yeah, it is, it is, uh, there's always ideas swirling. And especially if I get onto something, like when I, when I was doing commissions, if I got a script that really like intrigued me in a way, or, you know, um, just like, you know, had something challenging in it. Like I just could not turn my brain off because I was just constantly working out. How can I do this? How can I make this happen? And so I was just like, non-stop thinking about and this is part of why I just stopped taking commissions because I put so much time into them that it was just like a lot of stress and it was like making you know making my ability to make enough videos for you know per month like um very challenging um plus just the extra stress of stress of like wanting it to be perfect for that customer um so if you're like a perfectionist (laughs) you're extra hard on yourself about that kind of stuff um but yeah, I just that was the thing that I remember was that like I was just constantly thinking about the scripts and like how can I get the shot? How can I do this? How can I like make this effect happen? And you know, like just constantly thinking about that. Luckily, like with doing my own stuff, I now what I'll do, I'll I'll actually like write my own shot lists and kind of like sample dialogue. I do mostly improv lines. I per- feel like I perform way better with improv than having to memorize lines, but I'll still like come up with some sample lines and stuff like that um but that helps me too to like write the shot list down to kind of keep my ideas in check um so it's a lot easier for me to when I do my own filming to just like look at that and then refresh my memory on like okay this is what I'm gonna do and it kind of like helps to take the time down because otherwise I might like do something and come up with something else on the spot and then just like (laughs) waste a lot of time that way (laughs) um but yeah there's just a lot of time like like even I mean I guess even doing that like for my own personal content just like the shot lists and you know that's like another thing that I do you know planning that out um the planning like the costume the wardrobe having to replace wardrobe because stuff is constantly getting tears in it (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah there's so much so much stuff that goes into it that people are probably not aware of because they're only seeing this like tiny little like glimpse I remember that was the thing that used to bother me um early days of of commissions I kind of like came out with a better way of doing it where like only really serious people could get in touch with me but before that there'd be a lot of people who would try to like lowball you on price because they're like well it's only 15 minutes and then you're like this the end product is 15 minutes it's all of this other time that's going Mm -hmm. you know uh it's just interesting how many people but you can't necessarily blame them because until they've been told or they 
you know, experience it themselves. Like it's, you, it's not a thing you're thinking about, you know, that's, a, that's something I find fascinating, I guess, about like, as I've learned along the way, you learn all this stuff, like how much time and effort goes into it. And then you think about like, when you see the cr- end credits on a Hollywood movie, you know, like that the bajillion amount, like there's so many people doing just like the special effects, like an insane amount of people and, and any movie that has special effects, it's like thousands of people working on it. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm just one person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine that my level is like that down <laughs> I want to bring this particular segment full circle, especially since you were talking about mindsets. So let's go back to that catsuit video and the premise that you have and getting into the headspace. I personally get most turned on, and that's not even sexually, that's literally my entire head thinking about it, about the headspace that somebody must be in when they're in a certain scenario or predicament like you were in that. Yeah. That to me is what captures my imagination. I know you're shooting on your own. I know that there's so many different things that go into it. But do you ever allow yourself to just fall in that headspace and just go, this is pretty cool? (laughs) Um, Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of times where I, (laughs) where I'll like get lost in, in, in the, the moment basically. Um, And then I'll like, kind of like start kind of going in the video like too far necessarily from like my usual comfort level and I'll end up having to like cut some stuff out for the final video (laughs) because I'm like just like I don't know just getting really into it um yeah there's definitely certain fetishes especially that where that happens I think um but probably I don't know in necessarily the same way that you're talking about it more like for me I guess I'm taking it more in the like when I lose myself to the uh, arousing part of it, I guess. <laughs> not necessarily like just being like in the character. <laughs> when we come back for our final segment, we are going to pay off that Doctor Who reference from <laughs> earlier. And we're also going to talk about the joy of cosplay and just how much fun it is with Ludella Hahn on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Well, hi there, Catsuit. This is Jacqueline Powers, and yes, I really am back, recording new hypnosis files again on YouTube, and also on Patreon, for the more adventurous fans out there. And John, I really enjoyed coming on your show so much, and finding out that you had your very own experience with my hypnosis files. So, if you want to learn more about how I got started with online hypnosis, all you have to do is just listen to my interview on the What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want podcast. This is Alicia Zadig. 
author of the new book, Yes Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think, and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. The Heart of the Dominatrix. Portraits and Interviews of Exceptional Mistresses. This book is about female domination. This book is about dark corners, both physically and psychologically. This book is for you, whether you're a beginner or have decades of experience with BDSM. If you're eager to learn more about power exchange dynamics or are simply interested in relationships and the aesthetics of this world, this book will change your perspectives. Be warned. Visit heartofthedominatrix.com to order your copy today. Hi there, I'm Nookie. My pronouns are she, hers, and I'm the founder of Dating Kinky, a different kind of dating and educational site for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Catch me in my own podcast, Dating Kinky. And now back to John and their guest on what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the show. Joined by Ludella Hahn. We've learned a lot about your life, your <laughs> fetishes you like to play, being a mom. But one thing that I do know is, especially after the amazing run you had at the Fetish Awards this past year, a lot of people look up to you. And when I saw the reaction on the day that you arrived to FetishCon, when you walked in, got up on the Clips for Sale stage, talking with Gene Bardot, one of my favorite people in the world. And then suddenly the next day, your name is everywhere. People look up to you. Is that sometimes hard to believe or is it the exact spot you wanted to be? I, I, I mean, that, that is important to me because I, you know, like I was telling you before, seeing someone else who kind of looked like me, but wasn't the traditional model that I had seen beforehand was inspiration to me that I could do that too. And I think like, that's, kind of important to to show that like other people who might not be 
interested in or fit in like what they consider to be like the traditional molds of like adult work to be able to see like oh you can actually be successful without having to do explicit work like you can like you can still actually like make a living without like having to um go past your own like personal boundaries you know like that that I think is important to me to be able to <laughs> to show that like like you don't have to fit this certain mold like you can totally be entirely yourself and still have success like I think that's important I wouldn't encourage people to like replicate exactly how someone else is doing something I think like for me to shoot you know like to be inspired by but make it your own you know like put your own personal spin on things and and find like what your strengths are like what um what your joys are you know <laughs> and and to follow those but like yeah <laughs> who are some of the people that you saw that you were inspired by because i'm guessing there are quite a few because there's so many different things you do yeah um well one of the things like i said i was inspired by um a couple of female producers who I knew did their own effects work because to me that was something that I like I was was doing and wanting to do and um it was like inspiring to me to see that they could do all of those sides of the things not just be like the the performing talent like I found that to be really inspirational so like I already mentioned Anastasia Pierce was one of them um this uh, producer called Missa I'm probably maybe mispronouncing her name but she was on Culture Cell Missa X I don't know if you've heard of her, but she, I don't, she kind of changed angles, I think, but she was doing a lot more of the niche stuff when I first started. So I like, you know, she was an inspiration to me about like, you know, being able to do these things, but they both, um, you know, do more like explicit work. Um, so, you know, I had to kind of like do my own, <laughs> my own style and my own comfort levels in that, in that respect. But it was still like an inspiring to me to see like, oh, they're, they're doing all these things like themselves. Um, but as far as like other type of producers, to be honest, I try not to look too much at what other people do because I don't want to be like, I, I don't want to change my own way or to like accidentally like do someone's idea. You know what I mean? So I try to like not really look. The only time I really look at what other producers are doing is when I'm trying to figure out what category to put something in sometimes. And I'll go to that cat do a category I think it's going to be and I'll see like what are people doing in this category does this match um but that's pretty much I think the only time I really look at other people's work because I try not to I don't know like copy anyone else I try to like keep it like my own like what I'm doing in my own little weird bubble <laughs> you are in a different sort of bubble in previous years actually doing mainstream now we're not talking mainstream porn we're talking mainstream entertainment and television including getting to work with Chandra Rhimes not directly but <laughs> but one of her shows yeah which was so surprising that it never came came to be unfortunately but it was a really you know a neat experience um, it was actually early on in my career, uh, trying to think it was, yeah, it was, so that was in 2012, 
2012, I believe. And um, so I had only just started to do like fetish modeling when, when that experience happened, but it happened because I saw a casting call for a burlesque dancer for a scene. And um, I've always been unfortunately typecast. Uh, so, you know, I can't get a lot of just like regular girl next story kind of roles for things. So I never really, I didn't pursue acting mainstream, but you know, when I saw that casting call, I thought like, oh, I can try that. So I, so I did respond to that casting call and then they were interested, but not for me to play the burlesque dancer. I actually got to find out on the, <laughs> I didn't find out exactly what I was playing till the day I showed up on set. Um, before that, they just kept referring to me as, oh, Tommy's date. And then when I was on set, um, <laughs> one of the, like the, 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 wardrobe stylist was just like when I said like oh I'm Tommy say they're like oh like oh you're the prostitute and I was oh, like oh no okay like <laughs> but that's always been like to be honest that's always been my typecast so I'm always like a femme fatale or you know like a, a woman of the night that's like always you know what I've been I remember even in college when I took an acting class and I was like dress you know like just regular like you know nothing sexy at all um reading lines and even the professor like commenting on like how my you know my typecast would be um the vixen I think is how he put it <laughs> and I'm, like I guess this is just what I get and like every role I've ever gotten that's that's in mainstream has been something like that <laughs> so is I'm it not, the red hair I'm sure that's part of it but also just like, I don't know if it's like intensity or what, like the way that I like deliver lines. Like a lot of times people say that I, that I seem naturally, or they'll assume that I'm a dominant um, personality just because of um, how I come off. So like, you know, like playing characters like Poison Ivy come like really like naturally to me. And it's true. Like um, that, yeah, I think it's just like more of like how I come off. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But I think the <laughs> probably part of it and maybe just like my figure I'm not sure um but yeah so that I found out on the day on the day of that that's what I was playing but um it was just a featured extra role so I didn't have any lines but it was still like my first like big experience you know it was a Shonda Rhimes production and they were filming in Boston at some really like really ritzy locations um and John Berriman was was actually in it. Yeah. And um, that's he, the Doctor Who reference because <laughs> John Berriman played Captain Jack, who is one of the greatest characters of all time. And I have a man crush on Berriman. I'm just going to say he, that because he's, he's amazing. Man, he was, I was, like I told you um, before, uh, when we had to ride, because I had a scene where, a scene, okay, I'll say me talking so I do all this you know like line improv work in my um <laughs> fetish films and stuff I do a lot I'm constantly talking to imply dialogue because I'm filming myself and then to have to do like a featured extra and I and being in like a mainstream I was so nervous about like what's allowed what's not allowed can I laugh can I make any noise like I was so afraid to even make a single sound because I was like you know there's just this big production crew and I did I didn't want them to be like mad at me so I was just like I'll just like pretend like I'm laughing because I was supposed to like be laughing at a joke that Barrowman actually said and so I'm just like I'm like I was too afraid to even make a sound so I was just like pretending you know like just with <laughs> like 
well he like I think he like caressed me or something like that I wasn't he wasn't my I wasn't his girlfriend I was um another actor's girlfriend um but he was like kind of like the supposed to be kind of like the playboy sort of like son of this very like rich family kind of like the black sheep um type so he was like you know um you know in this like cd burlesque club and (laughs) uh and was friends with like this gangster who was that was the guy that i was dating um but we shared a car um ride after that scene and i sat right next to him i didn't again just continued with my featured extra role of (laughs) zero communication not even making a sound just a lot of smiling and being extremely starstruck and he's extremely handsome up close so that just like didn't help with like the starstruckness i was just like oh my gosh wow okay (laughs) just an amazing actor and a pretty darn good singer in the on the west end in london as well so yes i I will fanboy barrowman all the time he was very very nice like he he was like i said he was the one that like invited us like all the extras who were you know working in that scene to like join in his car ride and he was so friendly and um, all of the the like bigger actors on that that I worked with were all very very nice. Um, that's nice to hear. Yeah. So that's something. Yeah, I think that that makes a, a difference, or is it's really inspiring when you because you hear a lot of stories, you know. And then so it's just really nice to see that like they're still very nice and down to earth. <laughs> One of the things that you were very good at to the point where major publications have talked about your cosplay and things that you do at places as big as the San Diego Comic-Con. How joyous is it to get in those outfits and just be that person for a day? Oh, it's the only way I could do it. As I, I don't know if I've made it clear or not. I'm very shy, actually, very introverted and awkward. I know what like with you know like you wouldn't think that from like the way that I film and stuff but I'm so shy when I'm myself this is why I've like apologized so many times about how I'm, this is probably an awkward interview <laughs> I could tell that a little bit when I first met you because I came up and tried to respect respectfully introduce myself and you were very like hello <laughs> yeah yeah no I'm not extroverted at all um but that's one of the things that I love about cosplay is that you get to you're not being yourself you know like I wish I could embrace this in like regular life where I could just be like oh I'm not you know I'm not myself right now I'm a character of myself and then give me that like fake confidence (laughs) so I can get through some of the things that I um feel really like awkward or shy about um but if I'm in a cosplay, I do get to do that because I'm like, now I'm this character. I'm not Ludella. I'm like this character. One of my absolute favorites to play is Harley Quinn because you get to play this kind of like a little bit like she's very extroverted and unhinged and it like gets like allows me to be like that, which I, you know, it's like, I don't know it's kind of like a free pass uh, in a way, you know, like um, there's like that safety of like, well, I'm not being judged for, for myself. I'm this character so it gives me like a little like leeway to to like let loose i guess so mr j which do you appreciate (laughs) the 
movie Harley Quinn or the classic Harley Quinn in the cat suit? Oh gosh. Um that's a sure. very bad Harley Quinn that I do, I, but I was really gonna try to attempt it, but that's one of the things where I'm like, oh, I have to like practice and get myself in character first. Or I'm never gonna really do it right, you know? <laughs> love it. But I love the the classic the, in terms of looks, I love the classic look, but finding an outfit like I don't own that one I have like a cheap version of that but it does not hug my curves the way that I would like it to like you have to really get a tailored one to be able to like fit properly um and I don't have that um so I tend to do other versions of her (laughs) um mostly Uh, I have done that version with like the cheap (laughs) the cheap cat suit (laughs) um, for some of my videos but yeah it just like I get because of like the way that I'm shaped when I wear cat suits a lot. I get that like where it just goes straight up, you know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't hug right there. Um, so that's kind of a problem <laughs> and a reason why I don't like to wear the uh, off the rack <laughs> very often. There are so many things that have to go through the mind of a, of a performer or a model or anybody that is in this business. And there's some things that we don't ever think of. You have such a unique personality and unique way that you do this. Are there some things that we just miss? Um, Well, one of the things that I think most people um, who aren't performers probably don't realize, especially mostly people who are not actors, because although there's a level of headspace you need to get into for other performing arts with acting, you're becoming something else. So it takes <laughs> it takes a lot of um, of preparation to kind of like get into that space. And within that, I am, you know, if you if you've read about like Hollywood stars and and actors and stuff that sometimes they get so immersed in a role that they cannot like they get, you know, think of those who have like actually like, you know, committed suicide over being in such a dark role for so long. You know, it's just really hard to get out of it. Of course, I'm not doing anything to that that degree, but um, it is still a thing that happens and is part of like the preparation for filming which I think like most people might not realize kind of along the lines of what we were saying about like the customers who might think that a 15 minute video takes 15 minutes to film um, when really it takes so much more than that. Um, and in that preparation, sometimes, you know, I'll spend a very long period of time like doing my makeup and getting into that headspace um, of whatever character I'm portraying and that might just be kind of like affecting me even maybe even before I'm putting my makeup on just for like days ahead of time getting into a character most of the time it's not quite to that degree but as soon as I start thinking about it you know if it's a custom especially and they like have a specific request you know then you really want to become that person that they're requesting so I'll spend a lot of time just kind of like mentally getting myself into whatever emotion or feelings that that character you know has in the script which can be very like emotionally and mentally exhausting and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to mention that because I think a lot of people if you've never done that level of like acting before you you wouldn't be aware of like how much of yourself goes into those roles um so you really are kind of like 
in any of any of the arts really you're giving the viewers like a piece of your soul um and so it can be very taxing and I think that's why a lot of artists get burnout you know <laughs> before I ever had any sort of kink drop meaning convention drop or scene drop or anything like that as a performer as I used to do improv and especially after my first original show that we had 15 weeks of rehearsal leading up to this show and when the show was over we celebrated and we had a wonderful time but then afterwards it's like one of the biggest depressions you can go through because you spent so much time getting ready for this one thing and it happens and you're like what's next yeah you poured so much of yourself and and yeah gave so much energy to something that yeah you are you know literally giving part of yourself away and so there's like a hole there that you now have to like build back up again. I know that sounds probably way too serious when you're talking about maybe like fetish films, but it's still acting and it's still it's still sharing part of yourself with the audience. So <laughs> how do you fuel yourself back up? I'm probably just trying to like like I was saying, it's my with my studio being like in in my basement, it's something where when I come down here you know, th then I feel like I'm more in, in the scene. Um, I'm in that space. But when I, when I return back to the main level of my house, you know, <laughs> like, like it might take me a minute, you know, it might take me to get out of my costume, um, whatever I might be wearing to like, kind of like break out of a character. But, you know, once I'm back in that like regular space, you know, like it's, um, you know, because I'm not doing such long-term roles as like, Hollywood performers are you know it's not going to take me as long to get out of out of a a character so I can just fairly easily return back um to my regular life it's more of the getting into the character that seems to take a lot of time and mental preparation but it's fairly easy to for me to uh kind of let go and just be like all right well gotta go do the dishes and <laughs> <You know? laughs> and veg out <laughs> something something mindless maybe uh and or you know depending on what time of day it is I I tend to most do most of my work either while my son is um in child care or you know after he goes to bed so depending on if I have to go right to pick up and then spending time with him afterwards you know then I'm, then I'm back in mom mode basically <laughs> so. has there ever been a time where you just wanted to stay in that character, where you got so lost in it, you're like, oh, I could do this for a while. Not for a while, no. I don't think, I think I like, I mean, it kind of goes back to the whole idea of um, your comments on variety for me. I like, I get bored, I guess, like doing the same thing for too long. So I like having, um, the chances to play with these different types of roles and characters, but, and I do enjoy doing them, but I do don't want it all the time. Like people ask me all the time, um, cause I do a lot of breast expansion work and they'll ask if like, would you like to have your boobs be that big for real? And I say, no, like I'm bumping into everything. Like I can't see my feet. Like it's so hard to walk around. They're so heavy. 
no, I don't want that for real. I love, I love like, you know, the fantasy of it, but would I really want that? No. If I could do like I do my videos and snap my fingers and my boobs inflate on, you know, on command. As you look into your future, you want to do something that we're doing right now. You'd like to do a podcast. Yes. Tell me about that. So part of it is actually kind of, you know how um, when you have like a a fear of something, like the best way to kind of get yourself over it is to just do it, you know? Um, I'm hoping that <laughs> like one of my, this is like one of the selfish reasons for me doing the podcast, I guess, is that I'm hoping that doing it will help me to feel better about publicly speaking confidently because it is one of the things that I get really self-conscious and about and kind of like <laughs> awkward and I'm hoping like but who knows like maybe I'll still be awkward in the podcast it'll just embrace that but it'll at least make me feel more comfortable with being that way um but part of it is actually just really wanting to do something one that's like more mainstream so that when um you know I run into other parents that pick up and they ask me what I do for a living usually in the past I'll just say like oh I'm a, I do some video editing and then they always want more details and then mm -hmm. I'm like oh just for you know like you know like I just I hate that awkwardness I'm not good at lying and mm -hmm. so I just don't want to deal with that offer so I figured if I just like have a mainstream thing I can just say like oh I'm a podcaster you know like it'll give me like a thing to do and also just something to fall back on in case anything ever happens like which is also a thing you know with like a lot of the the crackdowns that have happened with like credit card companies and like a lot some of the fetishes that I used to film like just got removed you know like mm. I like lost content and it's always just kind of questionable especially because I do so much niche work um you know, just to like have something to fall back on just in case, like that's mainstream. Um, and also just for, a, a to fulfill this like purpose. Sometimes I get like, um, <laughs> I'll like go through these like uh, breakdowns. I, I should say I get burnt out pretty often, but I'll have these like kind of like breakdowns. And usually like at the core of them is that I feel like I'm not like contributing enough, I guess, to mm. society, you know, like, um, where I like, I'll want to be like doing something that kind of like makes a bigger impact, I guess. And like, you know, who knows, like maybe like what I do is making some kind of impact, but, but, you know, I don't really see that on my, my end of things. And so I was hoping like to make a podcast that is kind of like something to make people feel good. People who like that, that's kind of like what I wanted to do is have it be kind of like a real talk sort of, um, I'm calling it like the friend. Well, I, I can say it now. Yeah, actually, because I did, I did like fake launch it just to get the name out, <laughs> but it was going to be called like the friend in your ear pod. Um, and I wanted it to be for basically like all those times, there's been so many times where, you know, like I <laughs> living by myself, um, working from home where you just kind of like want to put something on, but you don't really want to like necessarily, you know, I do listen to a lot of educational podcasts, but sometimes you just want kind of like that, like company feeling, you know, like that companionship. And so you'll like try to find one that has kind of like that more of like a friendly sound to it, I guess. And so I kind of wanted to create something that will just be that for whoever needs it, I guess, just to something. And I want it to be like positive news or like things that are like helpful to make you feel good. Um, just because again, I feel like maybe that will be more helpful for people. <laughs> And, you know, like, it's one of those, like, self, um, 
therapies in a way too like a lot of times like what we like create is maybe what we desire you know and I think you'll be fantastic at that (laughs) I hope so (laughs) but it's another yeah I like I said I kind of like fake like launched it or soft launched I don't know what you want to call it but just just to get the trailer out so I could reserve the name but I haven't recorded any um actual like real I recorded kind of like a one just to make myself do it but I'll probably re-record that idea once I get more comfortable um but I was hoping to like launch it for the new year so hopefully I'll be able to get that under my belt and hopefully it will be something people want to listen to or find helpful um when I first said I was going to make a podcast a lot of some of my fans were hoping it'd be like more fetish oriented uh (laughs) but like I said I really want to do something that's like a little more mainstream accepted uh for multiple reasons (laughs) um and also just to like you know hit a different kind of audience and a different uh feeling you know like more you know like the hug like Mm -hmm. the hug that you're getting like I want it to be a hug (laughs) well I look forward to getting that hug at some point and Ludella it's just an absolute honor to have you on the show what's the best way people can keep up with your various and sundry exploits and fun um you can find all my links. Um, the easiest way to find all of them is just allmylinks.com slash Ludella Hahn, L-U-D-E-L-A-H-A-H-N. Um, or through ludellahanfetish.com. Like that also links out to stuff. But the place where I'm like most active is <laughs> my Patreon. That's where like if, you know, that there's just kind of like a community there that makes me feel more likely to, you know, like I feel like, Um, if I'm going to share anything personal, that's like where I, where I share it. And because of the community feeling there, you know, I, you know, I like to prioritize them over just regular social media. So again, when I'm not being good at social media, which I'm not very often, I'm still, I still regularly post to Patreon. Um, and obviously my clips are still store. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess the place where you should go if you really want to actually interact (laughs) with me um otherwise it's hit or miss on other accounts (laughs) and i'm guessing that at FetishCon 2023 we may see you there accepting a couple more dozen awards (laughs) honestly like i felt it was when it's the point where i felt awkward about it because it was so you know what i mean like i was kind of like oh my gosh um, so I decided, like, I think I have enough of fetish awards for my cabinet that I'm going to ask my fans to vote for other performers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still would like to attend FetishCon and hopefully we'll be able to have childcare so that we can because I would like to uh, go as more for um, as a patron versus mm-hmm. like, <laughs> versus working, you know. <laughs> Well, it will be enjoyable to see you and best of luck in everything. Uh, You are such an uh, amazing person to talk to. And I really appreciate you taking the time with us today. Thank you for having me. Hopefully it's not too awkward. (laughs) (laughs) I assure you it's not. You can absolutely understand why this woman was so honored by her peers at FetishCon. She just brims with joy for what she does, and it shows in every one of her videos and images. 
And when you meet her in person, she's just as lovely and kind as she can be. Such a bright future for an amazing talent of the present. Here's what's coming up on the next edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. We have our first ever visit with a submissive male. Podophilius is an advocate for change in relation to normalization and liberation around the topics of BDSM, sexual fetishes, kinks, femdom, alternative lifestyles, and sex work. And he's a kinky journalist. He's also the author of Triple Formed, a unique look at BDSM through rap lyrics. He joins us on the show Tuesday. Again, a special thanks to Ludella Hahn for joining us on this episode. I've been a fan for a long time, and it is just so lovely to see her doing so very well. And I love the fact that she still considers motherhood her greatest achievement. That will do it for this edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dave and Kinky. I'm John, also known as Hi There Katsu. Thank you for being with us. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1. On Instagram at What Women Want Podcast. For our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now, select shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash dating kinky. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by Kinksters for Kinksters, Poly, Queer, Trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free.